down beside her bed with her father and her grandfather, and she was before she was going to bed, and she said, you know, in a quiet voice, she was saying, dear God, please bless mommy and daddy, and please bless the whole family, and please give me a good night's sleep. And then she brought her head up, and in a very loud and clear voice, she said, and please give me a bicycle for my birthday. <laughs> and well, yeah, like all of you, the dad kind of chuckled and said, honey, God is not deaf. And she goes, I know, but Grandpa is. <laughs> Today, we're continuing our series on ancient wisdom for a new year. And today, we're revisiting why living prayerfully is, in fact, living wisely. Living prayerfully is living wisely. And I'm, we're going to be reading three scriptures uh, that were written by the Apostle Paul. Now, Paul was an enemy of the Christian church and was actively persecuting Christians. He had a radical transformation um, and uh, became a Christian himself and became one of his biggest proponents, uh, planting churches all throughout the Roman Empire. Uh, and to those churches, he wrote letters. And so 60% uh, of our New Testament is written by Paul, and those uh, scriptures are from the letters that he wrote to the churches that he was in contact with. So um, from Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Paul writes, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And from Colossians, Paul writes, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And from Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, Paul writes, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Uh, loving God, as we turn our attention and focus on uh, your word, made known to us through uh, the words that Paul wrote to these churches. Lord, we pray, um, as was prayed earlier, that um, your word would enter into our hearts. And we invite that, Lord, that our lives would be transformed uh, to glorify you. We pray this in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, Paul is somebody who understood prayer. Prayer was part of Paul's life, and he took it for granted that prayer would be part of the life of every believer. In the scriptures we just read, Paul's encouraging people to pray, and the assumption behind his encouragement is that people pray. This is the assumption, that people pray. Now, I've got a question for you. Is that assumption true? Can we assume that people pray? There are many things that people naturally and universally do. Assuming a person's healthy, for example, we can assume that a person will breathe, or we can assume that a person will eat, or developmentally, a child's born and a child, uh, an infant, right, will, will learn to roll over and eventually uh, learn to stand and then crawl. No, <laughs> how about crawl and then stand, <laughs> walk. And then run. Yeah, that first they first they run, and then they learn to crawl. No, right? They're, they're, basically, there are certain things that all humans, um, cross culturally, naturally, universally do. Now, 
this is my question. Is the human behavior of prayer as natural and as universal as any of these other things? Now, these questions led me to discover these concepts of uni cultural universals, anthropologic universals, and human universals. Now, all of these things are defined as an element, a pattern, a trait, or an institution that is common to all human cultures worldwide. And so in answering the question, is the human behavior of prayer natural and universal, sociologists and anthropologists would answer that prayer is, in fact, universal to all people in all cultures throughout history. So it implies that, yes, prayer is a natural part of what it means to be human. So what is prayer? Prayer is a relational conduit with God. Prayer is a relational conduit with God. Just like, just like a, a good friendship is built on honest conversation, just like an essential component of a strong marriage is talking to your wife, that's right. So too is prayer a primary conduit of communication that bonds the relationship between people and God and God and those he loves. So I want to turn to the biblical origins of prayer. I was curious myself, assuming, uh, right, that we adhere to the ancient wisdom of the Bible, where is the first evidence of divine conversation between God and people, people and God? Where is that? Most scholars would agree that the first use of the word prayer in the Bible is in Deuteronomy, and that the earliest recorded prayer is Abraham's appeal to God to spare Sodom from divine judgment. But once again, I was drawn back to the opening chapters of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. And I want to share with you some verses from chapter 3 and then reflect on them. Chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as God was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? So I'm going to go out on an academic limb and suggest that this may be the beginning of prayer. This event of walking in the garden in the cool of the day feels, it feels like a continuous, it feels like a, a habitual thing in the lives of Adam and Eve. Now, if you are willing to concede that point, then it's noteworthy that the earliest prayer then, the earliest conversation, the earliest communication with both Adam and Eve is recorded after the fall. And this account implies that it's been a continual delight. It's been a continual blessing to Adam and Eve, a daily part of their existence. On the daily, God comes into the garden in the cool of the day to converse with the two that he's uniquely created to be in relationship with. And the sound of God's footsteps reminds Adam and Eve that the time has come for their daily conversation, their daily communion with God. So the most remarkable thing about this, the thing that we can draw comfort from and truly celebrate, 
is that the initiative for beginning this conversation, the initiative for beginning this prayer, the initiative of beginning this communion starts with God. It is the Lord who comes into the garden, and it is the Lord who seeks them out to be in conversation with them. Prayer is initiated by. Prayer begins with God. And this is the greatest truth about prayer that we can learn today because this truth actually underlies our own desire to pray with God. It's because God is calling us into a relationship with him. God is desiring to be in communion with us and drawing us in. And so every time we pray, we are responding to that call. Prayer is a relational conduit with God, and it's initiated by God in order that we may grow deeper in communion with him. So, if that's what prayer is, then why do we pray? There are many reasons why we pray, and I'm only going to talk about one of them today. Prayer is an antidote to worry. Prayer is an antidote to worry. Did you all know that worry is a thing? <laughs> did you know that anxiety is a thing? Of course you did. We've all experienced it at one time or another. Worldwide, this has amazed me, worldwide, at any given time, 7% of the world's population is suffering from acute anxiety. Now, 7% of anything doesn't sound like much, but when you, 7% of the world's population is a lot of people. Now, get this. Acute anxiety in the United States is even higher. They estimate that nearly 20% of the American population is suffering from anxiety at any given time. And guess what? It's killing us. Psychologically, worry contributes to panic attacks, it contributes to headaches, and it contributes to depression. Physically, anxiety contributes to an upset stomach, heart complications, blood pressure, and overall fatigue, just to name a few. Now, it does not help a person who's struggling with worry to say, stop worrying. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Neither does it help to dismiss worry and anxiety as an attribute of the person, right? So I grew up with this phrase, and I don't know if it's still a phrase or, or, or a title maybe. Oh, they're just a worry ward. A worry ward? Yeah. They're just a worry ward, just dismissing them. That's honestly uncaring. However, did you know that there's ancient wisdom, ancient biblical wisdom that is helpful? Pray about it. Pray about it. Pray about it is not dismissive. It's actually ancient divine wisdom. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, I'm going to read it again. Do not be anxious about anything. By prayer and petition, present your requests to God. And recorded in Luke chapter 12, verses uh, 12 through 28. And I had to go back and check um, to make sure that Jesus was actually outside when he said the words I'm going to read to you. And he was. He was... Uh, teaching and preaching to thousands of people. And where he was, there could have been no possibility for a building to be big enough to house thousands of people. 
So Jesus is outside, and he's teaching to a, a very large crowd. And he says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you eat, or about your body and what you will wear, for life is more than food and the body is more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow seeds. They don't reap a harvest. They do not have a storeroom nor a barn, and yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than the birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Consider the wildflowers. They do not labor, they do not spin, yet not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, how much more will God clothe you? There are many reasons to pray. At least one reason to pray is recognizing that prayer is an antidote to worry. Number three on your outline. Prayer is a lifestyle, not a lifeline. Prayer is a lifestyle, not a lifeline. So are you all familiar with the, uh, the TV show? And I'm not, honestly, I don't even know if they're still making this TV show. Do you want to be a millionaire? Okay. So, right, there's a contestant who has to answer a series of increasingly harder and harder multiple choice questions. And you see the contestants, I mean, the first question is always easy. And with each progressive question, they get more and more money. And, and the... The first ones are easy, but they, as they work up the ladder, they get harder and harder. And you can see the contestants, they, they begin to physically strain. They're, they're drawing on their own wit. They're drawing on their own knowledge and life experience to answer some of these questions. And there's a certain point where literally they come to their wit's end. They can't answer the question. They're just not sure. And so they, they can use a lifeline. And, and, the, and one of the lifelines is they pull, they pull the, um, the, the studio audience. And so the studio audience uh, can basically make choices on some computer button stuff, and the, and the percentages come up, and the contestant can make a choice for the right answer based on what the, the, general, the general knowledge of, of the studio audience is. That's one lifeline. Another lifeline is that they can call a friend, which, if you think about it, is kind of good advice. When you are stuck, reach out, call a friend. <laughs> so. You can call a friend. And there's a third lifeline. Do you, do you know what the third lifeline is? 50-50. Thank you, because I actually didn't know what the third one was. <laughs> so, yeah, it's called... I, okay, thank you. Like the 50-50 works where... What? It removes the two wrong answers. It, <laughs> it removes two answers? And then... Multiple choice or multiple guess? Guess. You have to guess. You have a 50% chance of, I guess, guessing the right one or, or losing. So lifelines, right? Now, why is it that for so many of us, prayer is used more like a lifeline? That we, you know, our human nature is we want to control our own lives. 
and and we you you know we draw on our own strength and we draw on our own knowledge and we you know everything that we have we try to control our lives we find ourselves in a challenging situation a crisis in our lives and it's only when we we're literally at our wits end that we then use the lifeline of prayer it's like um the uh um the fire extinguishers in the in the red box with the glass and the sign says you know use only in case of an emergency and it's only when we're in an emergency that we go over and we crash through the glass and we 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 cry out to god in prayer what if instead prayer was more like preventative medicine where if we were in communion with god continuously if we were in communion with god about everything we'd actually be opening ourselves to divine ancient wisdom that would prevent us from ever getting into the many troubles that we find ourselves in in the first place now wouldn't that be something i heard a story the other day about a guy um and he had a best friend and he, this guy he drove a, a, like a putt putt yugo just putt 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 never went faster than 65 miles per hour but his best friend his best friend had this hot red you know muscle car it was it was a, a ford mustang and it was just beautiful best friends cars apart and he was always kind of envious of his friend's car and and finally he just asked the guy you know is there you think sometime i could drive your car and his best friend was like of course you're my best friend you can drive my best car tell you what this saturday I will give you the keys you can have the car for a couple hours you just drive it and Fred said really that's awesome and so you know he he called his wife and said hey he's going to let me borrow the Mustang for a couple hours and she said great honey have a good time so Saturday comes the keys are passed he gets in the car he starts driving now of course he's used to driving to a Yugo so uh he drives for a while but all of a sudden a little too much power for him and he goes sliding off the road and into the embankment and and destroys half the car. Now the bad news is he destroyed half the car. The good news is that he lived through it. What does he do? He's freaking out. My best friend's going to kill me. When I tell him what I've done, he's going to kill me. All this years I've wanted to drive this car and the first thing I do is crash it. So he gets on his phone and he calls his wife. He goes, "Honey, what should I do?" And she goes, "Honey, repeat after me." Our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name. <laughs> right? When things go wrong, it's only then that we turn to prayer. But the truth is prayer is not a lifeline. It's a lifestyle. Paul encourages us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 17 through 18. Paul Paul says, "Pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances." I want to look at that word continually and I want to look at these words all circumstances continually. What does that mean? Uh, firstly, it means pray with persistence. How many of you if you're truthful with yourself? Um there're just some things that you just you've given up praying about. That's that's exactly what Paul is discourages discouraging us from doing. He wants us to pray continually, to be 
persistent, to not give up in our prayers. That, you know, the truth is we can only see so far in, from, in the headlights of our lives. And it's quite possible that what God has in store for us is right beyond the range of our headlights. And then we, but because we can't see it, we just give up. And Paul is continuing, uh, encouraging us to continually pray. Don't give up in your prayers about the things that are closest to your heart, the things that you care about the most. Secondly, pray continually can also mean, in the original, and I'm kind of honing in on what the original language turns on, it also kind of like it communicates this idea of, of it not, like, not like getting up and praying, you know, and, and praying a long prayer for like 15 minutes, but more of the idea of like having a continuous spirit of prayer. Constantly being mindful of what's happening in your life as you're living it and praying to God. I'm, on this, I'm, I'm always a little nervous for my own family, to be honest with you, and probably maybe some of you. I, I'm, I'm nervous that my own kids don't know how prayerful I actually am. That there are times when my kids come to me and talk to me about things in their lives and... Uh, and I might, and, and maybe this is true when I talk to you as well, you might think that I'm spacing out, <laughs> and I'm not. What I'm really doing is I'm having two conversations. I'm talking with them, I'm talking with you, but I'm also in my spirit praying to God, God, what do you want me to hear in this conversation? What needs to be addressed? What needs to be overlooked and isn't really all that important? God, what word of encouragement do you want me to say into this conversation at this time? Praying continually means persistence and having a spirit of prayer uh, as you are living your lives out. Secondly, in all circumstances, life is a roller coaster that, with dips and valleys, right? And, and if, if prayer is a lifeline, that's when we're often praying in the emergencies. We're praying in the valleys of our lives. Uh, Psalm 23, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. For some reason, we in the darkness of our lives are willing to reach out to God. Why is it that when, when we're at the peak when we're, we're cresting the peaks in life that we often forget. We forget God. I only bring it up because I, I think we need to be warned that that borders on pride. When things are going well, somehow we may be um, harboring a spirit of like, oh, I deserve this. Oh, I earned this. Life is going well, and it's because I did A, B, C, D, and E, and I did them all correctly. And because I did all the right things, everything's come together. It's like we sometimes take a lot more credit for things that we have no credit for taking. So we need to remember that to pray and give thanks in all circumstances, not just in the valleys, but also in the peaks of our lives as well. Prayer is a lifestyle not a lifeline. I want to close uh, with this story. My, my sister actually, I, as I was working on the message this week, she, she, it was an email thing that she forwarded to me, and I was so appreciative. Um, and, you'll, and you'll get it when I tell the story, but I, what I want to highlight about this story is that I think it gives us a tool to remember to be in prayer. A, a tool... Um, I call it a, a prayer trigger. That is to say um, that there are certain times in our lives that when we see something or hear something, whatever, it can be, we can train ourselves to be triggered to prayer. And that's what this story is about. So I'm just going to read it kind of word for word as it was sent to me. You always hear the unusual stories of, of, 
of pennies uh, being found on the sidewalk and that, that that's good luck. This is the first time I've ever heard a new twist on that same story. Several years ago, a friend of mine and her husband were invited to spend a weekend at her husband's employer's home. My friend Arlene was nervous about the weekend. Her boss was very wealthy with a fine home on the waterway, and he owned cars worth more than Arlene's house. The first day and the first evening went well, and Arlene was delighted to have this rare glimpse into how the very wealthy live. The husband's employer was a generous host, and he took them to the nicest restaurants. Arlene knew she would never have this opportunity to indulge in this kind of extravagance living again, so she was enjoying herself. As the three of them were about to enter a restaurant one evening, the boss was walking slightly ahead of Arlene and her husband. He suddenly stopped, and looking down on the pavement, uh, he, he, he was staring for a long, awkward moment. And Arlene wondered if, like, in that moment, if she was supposed to pass him on the sidewalk or something. And there was nothing on the ground that he was looking at except for a penny that someone had dropped. Still silent, the man reached down and he picked up the penny. He held it up and he smiled and he put it in his pocket as if he had found a great treasure. Arlene thought, guy, that's absurd. What did a man like this need a single penny for? Why would he take the time to stop and pick up a penny? And this idea just kind of nagging at her. So during the meal, she, she couldn't stand it any longer. She finally mentioned that, you know, she brought it up casually. Well, you know, my daughter has a, a coin collection. I saw you pick up a coin earlier. Why is there something, you know, significant of some value to that penny? And the man just smiled and he reached into his pocket for the penny and he held it out for her to see. And he, she had seen pennies before. She said, and, and so he, he, he said to her, look at this penny and what do you see? And so she read the words, uh, United States of America? She goes, no, keep reading. Okay, so uh, one cent? No, not that, keep reading. And then she read the words, in God we trust. Yes, he said. And if I trust in God, then the name of God is holy. Whenever I find a coin, I see that inscription. It's written on every U.S. coin. And it's as if a message has been dropped right in front of me, reminding me to trust in God. Who am I to pass that message by? When I see a coin on a sidewalk, before picking it up, I pause and I pray. I stop and I search my heart. Do I trust in God at this moment? I pick up the coin as if it's a response to God. Yes, God, I do trust you. For at least a short time, I cherish it as if it were gold. I think it is God's way of starting a conversation with me and reminding me how blessed I am that God is patient with me and that pennies are plentiful. She then goes on, when I was out shopping today, I found a penny on the sidewalk. I stopped and I picked it up and I realized that I had been worrying and I had been fretting about things that I couldn't change. And then I read the words, in God we trust. 
And I had to laugh. Yes, God. I'm getting the message. Let's pray.